Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Now, the Chorus Radio Network presents The Roy Green Show with Roy Green, keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. We have a very, very busy show lined up for you today. Later on, we'll be talking to Alfredo Corchado. He'll join us from Texas. He is the uh, Mexico City Bureau Chief for the Dallas Morning News, and he covers the Mexican drug cartels. He's going to talk to us about the uh, drug cartels in Mexico. And uh, Alfredo has had his life threatened by cartel members. And the reason we're doing this, earlier in the week there was a, a story that ran in international publications and news organizations, everybody seemed to be running it, that uh, El Chapo Guzman, the head of the Sinaloa cartel, had threatened ISIS and the ISIS leader and said, if you keep messing with our drug shipments, we're going to come and take you out. That, of course, turned out to be a hoax perpetrated by a blogger, and everybody jumped on it. A little fact-checking would have helped. Um, but I thought, why don't we really just talk about what the cartel situation is like? It's like a parallel government in Mexico, almost. So Alfredo's going to be joining us. Later on, Dr. Bjorn Lomborg from Paris will speak to the COP21 treaty, the draft treaty that was signed yesterday. Everybody who was there was thrilled. There was tears, there was laughter, there was all sorts of stuff going on. But Dr. Bjorn Lomborg says it's the most expensive treaty ever and will accomplish virtually nothing. Economist, the head of the Copenhagen Consensus Center think tank, he's an environmentalist who really believes in uh, human-induced global warming, but he doesn't. He says this plan is not going to do anything. We talked to him at the beginning of the COP21 conference in Paris. We'll talk to him at the end. So he'll join us in our second hour. Also today, what a surprise federal government said, oh, yeah, it's not revenue neutral after all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We know we told you during the election campaign that it would be revenue neutral, you know, cutting the taxes for the middle class and then adding taxes for the more wealthy in the country. Yeah, but it's, it's not revenue neutral. Who knew? You knew. I knew. Most people knew. It didn't take rocket science or a degree in economics to know that it was not going to be revenue neutral. Catherine Swift is going to be with us, and we'll talk about it. And I'm going to read you that wonderful story of the ten men who go out to dinner. And then they pick on the rich guy. And the whole thing just falls apart. So, we were, we were going to get at that. And yesterday there was a tremendous amount of emotion and... Uh, there was anger, there was fear, there was frustration, there was hope. We heard a lot of things. When we were speaking about Donald Trump's call for the temporary ban of Muslims entering the United States. If he were president, he would do that, he said. And I spoke to two Muslim guests, Dr. Zudi Jasser, former lieutenant commander of the United States Navy, and the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, nuclear cardiologist, um, frequent contributor to this show. And we spoke with Rahil Raza, Canadian. And uh, her book is Their Jihad, Not My Jihad. International speaker, author, standing ovation in Parliament, 
And she said, you know, you, you want to hear from moderate Muslims, so when you hear from one, d- don't complain. Essentially, I mean, that wasn't exactly the quote, but we'll play back for you uh, what Rahil said yesterday, and then we'll take more calls. We're going to revisit this issue because it generated so much attention. But I'm going to begin with this. A neighbor of the San Bernardino murdered couple had concerns. You know that, huh? But her concerns about being labeled a profiler caused her to not report the perpetrators of the carnage which resulted in the killing of 14 innocent people and the wounding of 22 more. Do you understand this woman? Would you report someone to police, to the RCMP, if you had suspicions? They may harbor terror intent. Or would you back off because you'd be afraid that you might be labeled, accused of being a bigot? And there's domestic terrorism and there's international terrorism. This is not a frivolous question. We've been urged as Canadians to report anyone we have serious suspicions about. By reporting a truly suspicious person or persons you may save a life or dozens of lives or hundreds of lives. We've been told that. But if your suspicions prove to be false, you'll be labeled and you may be called a hater. So there's been a lot of criticism for the individual in the San Bernardino carnage who didn't report the husband and the wife murderers. But just consider what she and another neighbor may have been thinking. Then the issue of profiling comes up. Profiling is inappropriate. We are informed again and again. So I want to talk about that with Christopher Voss, former FBI chief hostage negotiator and CEO of the Black Swan Group. He's the author of the forthcoming book, Never Split the Difference, Applying the Strategies of Hostage Negotiation to Business and Personal Life Challenges. Christopher Voss has been on this program before. Um, Chief hostage negotiator for the FBI, formerly, and very much involved in the issue of uh, terrorism with the FBI. Chris, thank you for taking the time. Good to talk to you again. And are you surprised that... That, that, that a neighbor knew or had suspicions something was going on in that residence and didn't say anything. Are you surprised they kept it to themselves? Well, Roy, thanks for having me on. I, I love being on your show. It's one of the more thought-provoking conversations and intelligent conversations I get a chance to listen to. Thank you. So, uh, you know, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, uh, other other elements of the media, if you will, um, and I don't want to point a finger at all of the media, but... You know, prior to these recent terrorism incidents, there's been a couple of hoaxes, I think, frauds that have been perpetrated by some members of the media. And number one is that profiling is bad. And number two, that the, the police are the enemy. The police somehow are overly militarized and they're not there to protect us. And you put those two things together and you get two things that someone's afraid of. They're being afraid of labeled a profiler. And they've been led to believe that the police are over militarized and, and they're scared of the police. And, it's, and then this happens. What does profiling mean to a police officer? What what does profiling mean to you? What is profiling? Well, profiling, you know, and I was around when it first got started. Uh, afraid that, you know, I'm uh, no longer 25 years old. But, um, you know, we, we're looking for elements. Essentially, it's trying to look for things that indicate probable cause. And if these, there are recurring patterns of behavior and recur- recurring patterns of attributes, that bundle together to make some substantive probable cause uh, indication of a crime, at least reasonable suspicion. It was it, it was a tool to help law enforcement get better at what they were doing. It was data based. It was completely objective. It was not subjective. And it was it was a phenomenal tool. And then somehow, 
it got made to be this dirty word when in fact it's just it's it's a great tool for more effective law enforcement and it's just a it's a tragedy that it's become a, a dirty word so what what would profiling have consisted of in that case in san bernardino if the woman had come forward and she'd said what she thought or what she was concerned about at what point would she have been maybe said told she was profiling yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know that she ever would have been told that by any responsible member of law enforcement. It would have been a fear that existed in her mind because she was trying to be a fair-minded person, and profiling became synonymous almost with racism and bigotry, and, it, and it's not. Um, if she would have interacted with the police, they, they would have brought out great, solid investigators to talk with her if they were concerned about terrorism. The police are probably a member of a terrorist task force locally, and they would have treated it appropriately. So uh, they wouldn't have called her a profiler. It wouldn't have been profiling. And, and they would have kept her her, uh, her suspicions confidential as well. Would most police officers, if I were to talk to uh, police officers in the United States and Canada, would most of them support, do you think, uh, profiling? You know, I don't know that I've ever heard a police officer that didn't support it as long as they understood what the tool was. And the tool is a pattern, you know, patterns of behavior, patterns of attributes. You look for someone who, uh, if they're keeping to themselves, if they're firing at a gun range, um, if they appear to be stockpiling weapons, just because they're Islamic doesn't mean that you have to look the other way. Or just because they're Arabic or just because they happen to belong to a group that has taken uh, uh, some excessive uh, heat, if you will, in this country because of the behavior of the radical extreme elements. So, you, you know, you just kind of look at the activity. And, and uh, law enforcement people support this idea. It's a great tool, and I never heard anyone in law enforcement thought it was bad. Chris, you've seen a lot in your career. Uh, you were also assigned to anti-terror initiatives. How worried are you about the current global situation? Well, we have to keep our guard up and, and we have to re remain diligent. I mean, uh, th these are repeat patterns of stuff that we've actually been seeing for a while. What I'm, what I'm more worried about is, you know, my Israeli brothers and sisters have always said that terrorism works. Terrorism fans flames. And I worry that the terrorist intent is to create these divides between us, get this us versus them and Americans versus Muslims idea. That's what, you know, Daesh, um, to use a more appropriate term for, for this group of miscreants in the Middle East, that's what they want. They're trying to fan these flames, and that's what I worry about. I worry less about their actual violence, and I worry a lot more about the fears that that violence incites. Okay. I think it was 79% of Americans are uh, total pollsters that they have concerns that a major attack, terrorism attack, is going to take place in the next few months. That's the biggest number since 9-11. Chris, thank you so much. Always good talking to you. I appreciate the time. My pleasure, Roy. Always a pleasure to be on your show. Christopher Voss, former FBI chief hostage negotiator, CEO of the Black Swan Group, and he has a book coming out called Never Split the Difference. All right. I wanted you to hear that. So I wanted to, I, I wanted to talk to Chris Voss about about if you have a concern, coming forward and saying what your concern is. Now, this woman didn't want to do it because she said she would. She was afraid that she might be considered profiling. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, but I'm going to tell you what we're going to do and ask you to call right now. 
And what we're going to do is pick up on our conversation of yesterday when uh, we talked about Donald Trump, the front-runner in the uh, presidential race now for the Republican Party, although in Iowa, Senator Ted Cruz, in some polls, has overtaken Donald Trump, but nationally, Donald Trump leads by a significant margin over all the other contenders. And Donald Trump has said that he would ban Muslims from the United States for a temporary period if he became the president, until things were sorted out, whatever that means. And so I asked you yesterday whether you support Donald Trump's position or whether you challenge Donald Trump's position that he would ban Muslims, all Muslims, from the United States. Or in, I suppose, what do you just think of the of what he's saying? What do you think of that thought? What do you think of that that position? And we had we had so many calls, and uh, and there was a lot of emotion in the calls, a lot of, like I said earlier, anger, fear, frustration. There was some hope, but there was a lot of emotion. And I said I'd pick up the conversation again, and our guests were Dr. Azudi Jasser the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. And uh, we also spoke with Rahil Raza, uh, their jihad, not my jihad, president of the Council of Muslims Facing Tomorrow. So our phone lines are open at uh, 888-225-8255, 888-225-8255, on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. And I will ask you to, again, let's pick up this conversation, because it's important that we talk to one another. It's important that we deal with the issues that, that are talked about, that matter, the things that you talk around the, uh, about around the kitchen table to each other. Let's talk about it here. What is your view of Donald Trump, the leader in the race for the nomination for the Republican Party in the United States? What is your view of Mr. Trump's statement that if he becomes the President of the United States, that for a period of time he would ban Muslims Entering the U.S. One triple eight two two five eight two five five. We'll come right back. 